need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswatek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome back, Warrior Women. I want to take a moment to connect with you and tell you that I'm happy you're listening today. Women often put themselves last on the list, and the fact that you're giving yourself this time is important. It means you're doing a little self-care. I encourage you to do a little more for yourself every day. Give yourself the gift of time, space, rest. Rest is not a reward, ladies. It's something we all need to do to show up and be our best. When I met today's guest, I instantly loved her. Her background, her passion to give women alternatives to traditional medicine. But I have to admit, I was shocked when she mentioned she was a victim of domestic violence. Trigger warning for anyone who needs it. Alarming statistics indicate that even as I say this, a woman has become the victim of assault, most likely by someone they know. According to the Partnership Against Domestic Violence, every nine seconds, another woman in the U.S. is beaten. Every nine seconds. Today's domestic violence story is not typical, but it's important to know that this affects all women, women you would never think it would affect. It crosses all races, classes, states. Domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness among families today. As you hear her story today, listen to how she had her non-negotiables set before this even happened, something we need to teach our girls. We are also going to talk about self-care, women's health, and empowered women's health, what that looks like, and why women have been left out of medical research for decades. You'll be shocked, trust me. All right, let's get into it. But first, do you hate photos of yourself? Dread photo shoots? Have you ever said, I'm not photogenic? As entrepreneurs, we know that in this world of social media, podcasts, and self-promotion, we need photos of ourselves to connect with our audience. And unfortunately, many of us aren't happy with the photos we have. Kathy of Kathy Shoe Photography knows how hard it is to put ourselves out there and feel great in the process. Kathy believes it's not our job to be phonogenic. That's her job, and she couldn't be more right. I just had my portraits done with Kathy. 
Through her guided photo shoot, she not only made me feel comfortable, but she allowed me to see the next level version of who I'm becoming. The me I want to be. And that is everything. I ended up with tons of portraits that I love and I'm proud to share. If you're ready to elevate your photos and showcase yourself in a real and beautiful way, contact Kathy for a free consultation at kathyshuephotography.com. That's Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, shoe, S-C-H-U-H, photography.com. Use the code WARRIORWOMEN for $50 off your session fee and tell her Liz sent you. You'll be glad you did. All right, today on the show, doctor of chiropractic, author, speaker, women's health and nutrition expert, founder of Eat for Your Cycle and Nutrition for Your Hormones, Dr. Beth Westy. Dr. Beth is the author of the best-selling book, The Female Fat Solution, the creator of the 12-week Female Fat Solution Challenge, the Eat for Your Cycle Method, and the host of the Female Health Solution Podcast. She has made it her mission to change the way women view their health, traveling the country to educate and empower women to take their health into their own hands. She uses nutrition to help women work with the natural cycle of their bodies to achieve lasting weight loss results. Welcome to the show, Dr. Beth. Yay. Thank you, Liz. Woo. Woo, girl. (laughs) Yes. Dr. Beth, we met at the very fabulous Tracy Lit Worthy Human event, which I now will be going to every single year for the rest of my life. I'm like, once you go once, you're like, Oh, I'm doing this 10, 10 more times. Like, I'm like, I already asked her. I'm like, what are the dates? Can I book my ticket? What's going on? But I met you there and I really, really loved you. But when you took the stage, Dr. Beth, I was like, boom, like you were just a mic drop a minute. So I'm so excited. You're coming on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Yay. Yay. Okay. So we're going to start at the beginning, Dr. Beth. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, and you know I know some of it, so I can't even wait to hear it again. <laughs> Tell me about you growing up, where you were in your life, and what you thought you might grow up to be. Yes. So thank you for having me on. Like, you are such like a ball of light and energy, and it's just so fun. So I'm, I was really excited about about doing this podcast because just hang out with you. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. My uh, backstory, I am from Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota. Grew up in Minnesota, yeah, you know. And I grew up on a goat farm in Minnesota. So I showed my goats in the fair. Mm-hmm. You betcha. Was... Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You were, um, like, you were like an award winner, though. You were yes, like not just showing your goat. You were like winning awards. Yes. Yeah. So for those people who are not familiar with like showing goats, like this is a thing. It's like, think of like the dog shows that you see on TV. It's the same thing, but it's a goat instead of a dog. <laughs> and my yeah. claim to fame here is that um, I was really good at goat grooming. You got marksmanship for grooming your goat, which is essentially shaving a goat. You have to like clip them, shave them, trim their hooves, all this stuff, make sure they're very quaffed. And I would always win trips to the state fair because of my goat grooming abilities which is, you know, I describe as more of like wrestling a goat. Cause just going to say, you have to hold them down. It's not like they're like, oh yes, Dr. Beth, could you please t- trim a little off the back? Would you? <laughs> yeah, right. Only when the goats are like really old and they don't care anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Like the super old ones <laughs> might trying to fight there. you. Yeah. But otherwise they're not having it. <laughs> totally. Totally. But did you think you would do something with goat? Like when you were this age person, were you like, I'm going to oh. have a career with goats? Um, 
I, you know, it's funny is that growing up on a farm, I know a lot of my friends always thought like, oh, you must love animals, which I do, but they're like, oh, you must want to be a veterinarian. And I was like, no, I just, you know, there's something about animals getting hurt or when they're sick. And I just, you feel so bad for them. I could never. Oh, it's terrible. Right. Yeah. But I knew I, I was always interested in healthcare, things like that. I was an athlete growing up. So I was a three sport athlete in high school, got a scholarship to play volleyball um, in college at Northern Michigan and went there for four years on my volleyball scholarship. And then I actually got a NCAA continuing education scholarship to finish up and get a fifth year paid for. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and I was, a, I was a pre-med student. And then when I went to chiropractic school, where I, you know, I'd fallen in love with natural healthcare and stuff during that last year of undergrad. So instead of going to medical school, I went to chiropractic school because I loved natural healthcare, got really into that. While I was in chiropractic school, I also got certified in acupuncture and Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, and also had my first two kids. Yes. Okay. So this is the craziest thing about your story. So you... I mean, it's not the craziest. There's a lot of crazy things, but this There's is amazing. Crazy. When oh. I think about it being crazy, what I mean by that is I don't know if I could have done it. That That's what my definition of crazy is. Could I have done that? I don't think I could do that. I don't know if I'd survive. Your career path, meeting your husband, you had kids literally while you were in school. Like you guys met young, right? You were college. Uh, we were, he was, he had just turned 21 and I was about to turn 21. So I was 20, about to turn 21 when we met. So that was about 20 years ago now. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were together for a long time. We have been together for a long time. But yeah, when we went through, you know, three years of college then together. And then, well, he's from Vermont, but, you know, he went to school in Michigan with me and then, you know, moved to Minnesota with me because we were going to get married and all the other things. Right. So we had babies, got married and all the yeah, stuff then after. But you had babies and got married and you had your practice at that point too, or yeah. you were still studying or? Yeah. So we moved to Minnesota, you know, and then I was in chiropractic school for about five years and I had my first two kids, you know, so we got, well, we had a kid, got married, had a kid while I was in school. Yes. You know, that order of things. Yeah. Uh, the parents love that. The parents <laughs> love the, the babies before marriage. They adore. Oh, it's their oh. favorite. Yeah. Well, I was raised a uh, very... A, a very strict Roman Catholic. Ooh, so you really hit the mark there. It did not. It, that that was a discussion. That Ooh, was a, yes. That was a discussion. Yeah, um, but I mean, hell, at least you got married. I mean, like they need to like calm down, right? I mean, you know, it was one of those things. Like we were engaged, we were living together, you know. Which of course, my mother would always, you know, be like, when we'd go to like family Christmas and Easter and stuff, she'd be like, "Don't tell anyone that you live together." And I'm like, "Okay, mom." <laughs> As if anyone cares. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, whatever. And then, but, you know, to speak to that, I actually had, when I had, like, my baby shower and stuff with my first, you know, and I wasn't, so when I got pregnant and I was like, okay, whoa, 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 this is a big life change. We do want to get married. We have plans to get married. It's just happened a little out of order for us. We, I actually very consciously made the decision to just not all of a sudden get married. I wanted to, I was like, we'll do that. Like, you know, there's That's no- coming. It's coming. Like, and what we actually did do, there was actually, it was actually a study with the University of Minnesota that we signed up for. And it was about a year and a half long program where we did counseling. It was marriage Amazing. counseling for people who were pregnant and having kids. And that, yeah. Wow. So this is, this is the thing. So people talk about this and I know the statistics of people who have babies together and they're not married or whatever, but you know, we were, we were living together, you know, we were committed to each other type of thing, but legally 
weren't married, right? Yeah. So this was one of the things that I was like, listen, we can do this program. It was fantastic. It, they did like, they did an amazing job with, and again, it was a year and a half long program. We met every month as a group. We had a dude like assigned to us, like a personal counselor who would talk about things because I was pregnant when we started. And then we went all the way through like having the baby afterwards up until we even got married. And he was actually at our wedding. Um, oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. That, you know, it was like, well, you put in some work there. So then when you it did, was, yeah. So married, it was, it yeah, wasn't, yeah. It wasn't like, like, I, I wasn't like flippant about it. We'll say, um, but it was one of the things that, you know, definitely did not go over well with my family. So <laughs> having a baby shower, I had, you know, cousins and stuff that wouldn't show up, didn't mm. show up. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't support them. Fine. Fine. Well, I see this theme coming later in our discussion. We're going right, to yeah. that. There's a little right, thing here yeah. of people who are not supporting whatever you are yeah. wanting to do for your life. You, so you yeah. had your practice seven yeah. years. You had your practice. Mm-hmm. You were working like a damn doodly dog, right? Mm-hmm. You decided done. You're done with the 50 hour weeks. You can't take yeah. it anymore. Even though that was your dream, right? You have a brick and mortar place. You have, yeah. you're seeing all these patients and you're like, I'm living yeah. the dream, except yeah. you're dying because you're so tired. You're yeah. not living the life you want to live. You decide, I want to help women on a bigger scale. Oh, I'm getting the chills. I'm getting the chills yeah. right now. I want to help women on a bigger scale. How did you come to that decision and what did that really mean or look like? Yeah. Having my practice was something I really loved and like treating patients hands-on. I love that work. Love it. I still love it. It was just really different because like you said, you know, I had it, I had two kids in school. I graduated like, and within a four month span of time, I had graduated, got past my boards, got and purchased a clinic. And then a month later got pregnant again. Ah! (laughs) So then within a year, less than a year, or within a year of actually graduating, I had a new business that was failing. I had a preemie, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and was working, you know, Talk 70 hours a week. stress. Yes. God. Yeah. All the stuff. So, I mean, I, you know, buckled down, you know, you know, just grind, 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 make it work. And within a couple of years had built actually a really thriving practice, a, a busy clinic. I had a great team. I had a lot of, you know, great team members around me and support, had a nanny that was amazing. That's how I do all the things, right? You, you don't do it by yourself. Had a fantastic nanny and lots of support there. And it was just something I, I absolutely loved and, and you know, did that for, yes, seven about seven years. But as I got on into doing the work that I was doing, I fell more into women's health. And it was because I started having ovarian cysts. Yes. And that was the hardest thing that I had to work through, you know, physically because cysts, my, they would burst and it would put me on the floor and then I couldn't function. And so once I, and I actually started doing things for my hormones, this is what got me into the work I do now was because I had cysts. Yes. So going through this myself, going through hormone detoxes and eating for my hormones and cycle changed all that for me. And then I started incorporating it with the patients that I was seeing just on a one-off. It wasn't, it wasn't like the main thing I was doing at that time. It was literally somebody would come in and they'd be talking about the horrible periods or this other hormone problem. And so I was like, oh, hey, I've just been doing this. Let me share this with you. And I was just like literally giving away <laughs> like information, content, like handwriting, you know, meal things for them and just handing it to them on a scrap piece of paper and sending them out the door. And they were coming back. This is amazing. This is helping me. And slowly it started to build more and more where I got to a point where somebody, one of my patients actually said something. She's like, you know, you should write a book. This is fantastic. You should write a book. And I was like, okay. 
Sure. Sure. Yeah, if this is going to help more people, I'll write a book. I don't know. Sure, I'll give us. I'll take a stab at it. Sure. So I just started like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I was really excited about it. And after about six months, I had about five pages written. <laughs> right. I had, you know, I had three young kids. I mean, I think at the time they were, you know, maybe five. No, not even five, seven, and nine. Four four, six, and eight or something like that. You know what I mean? Like three young kids, three kids under 10 at least. And, you know, I was still working, running a clinic that was busy and all these things. And I was like, I'm going to write a book too, of course. And I was like, well, I mean, in my spare time, in my spare time, what spare time, you know? (laughs) So I can either take 10 years to write the book or I'm just going to do this. So, I mean, it was one of those like moments where I was like, okay, I, I, where where do I want to be in five years from now? Was one of the, the questions, even though I love the clinic and stuff. And I, it was one of the hardest career decisions I had was to sell and to move to something totally different, you know, being in an online space, you know, building from scratch again. And I know how hard that was the first time. And the second time it was hard too, right? I knew the reach that I wanted to have and the message that I had for women. And then in the back of my head, I was always like, you know what, I'll probably do this for a little bit. And then I'll probably do another clinic. Right. (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. If it doesn't work out, I can always go back. I know how to build a clinic. I know how to do that really well. So I can do it in a snap. No big deal. Right. But that's, you know, working that many hours. And I know a lot of women do that. A lot of women that you, you push yourself so hard and, and sacrifice your time, your energy, your health, your, your family, right. For your career. And it's always a learning experience for what you gain out of it. But that was the thing that led me into selling and saying, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta like dedicate my, my, you know, my work to this yeah. and, and actually write a book and actually get out there and speak and, and, you know, get in front of people like this, like at Tracy's event. So I was super grateful for the opportunity that she gave me to share this message with more oh women. Oh my God. Yes. And, and everybody was so, all the things you talked about, we all were <laughs> like, just literally, I, I took like four pages of notes. I mean, that just oh. would show you. <laughs> I didn't write the go part down, but you know, the other things. Um, you don't need to write that down. That's just yes. embedded up there. Yes. So, so exactly. Forever embedded in my mind. But so you, this is such a great thing, right? You, you take this leap, you're leaping before the net appears, as my my friend Katie Chen uh, says, you leap before the net and leap in the net will appear, she says, leap in the net will appear. So you're leaping, right? You're going to start this new thing. You feel this purpose and calling. I'm going to, I'm going to write this book. You move, you start your new career and all of a sudden a Mack truck comes for you. You yeah. get thrown into a toxic environment where suddenly your husband is now showing signs of like stress and he's starting to really concern you. This is becoming very strange to you. This is not him. This yeah. has been the guy that's always loved you, supported you, been mm-hmm. kind of great with all the things. Like when other people would say, you're yeah. crazy to sell your business, he would be like, you're not crazy. You're amazing. You should do yeah. this, right? Like he was always the guy. But here he is. He's going down the tubes fast. You're, you're not in a good place because you're not in your little support system, right? Right. This all culminates in you becoming fearful of him. It goes from you being scared for him to being scared of him. Yep. And then he's taken away in a police car. I got chills again. This is a man that you love, obviously. 
But that line was crossed. The police came and everything changed. So tell me about that time. I really appreciate you talking about this because there's definitely people out there who would never talk about this, Dr. Beth. So I just, I want to just acknowledge you that you're even willing to go there with this, but I want to know, you know, about that time in your life. I share this story because a lot of women experience domestic abuse and violence on many different frames and levels and different types of it and everything else. And one of the classic things that women do is that they will completely downplay or diminish their experience and say, somebody else had it worse. It wasn't as bad as so-and-so, or I can keep putting up with this because X, Y, Z is worse and he's not doing that. So I guess whatever. When really, you know, we're trying to play in a gray area there and going through this whole experience, really, there's no gray area. This is a black or white. It either is there, it's abusive, or it's not. And if it is, you have to, figure out what you need to do to remove yourself from the situation, make yourself safe and move above and beyond. And it's tough. It's really, really tough. And you're absolutely right. The, the events that led up to, you know, the incident where I had to call the police on my husband, the man who I'd been with at that time for 15 years had supported me through everything, like financially supported me when I started my business, uh, you know, my clinic, and I wasn't bringing home any money. (laughs) He was paying for the bills and the nanny and everything and was like, you got this, babe. You got this, babe. For over a year before I started bringing a paycheck, you know, literally just over a year before I actually started to make money at my clinic and was there every step of the way to be like, you can do this. You can sell your clinic. You know, I know if anybody can do it, you can do it, you know, and it was because he was mentally in such a bad state and was very depressed and had suicidal thoughts and would verbalize them to me and to understand and to be objective in this and to say like, babe, you need help. I'm not the one to help you, but you need help. But to see him take that spiral down and then sort of drag me along with him, you know, there was a moment where I was like, enough is enough. And I'm done playing this game. Like I'm not, I'm not here for this anymore. And I share this because it happens a lot more frequently than you think. And yeah. it happens like I'm not different than anybody else. You know, I, I, it, it, if it happens to me, it can happen to you uh, or your, your, your sisters or your friends or your daughters. And to make them aware and just be like, these are things that you can think about to protect yourself and to be prepared. Because that's the, the other thing that I will say is that I, I do think that having knowledge on this before even getting to that point was helpful. Meaning I've read books on this. I've read, you know, Lundy Bancroft, you know, why does he do that? You know, there's books and information. So in the back of my head, I always thought like, you know, if something were to ever happen, I wouldn't hesitate. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to press charges, all that stuff. I already knew that was what I'm going to do. So when something did happen, I just followed the plan that I, you know what I mean? Not that I was like preparing for it to happen per se at that, but it was always one of those things like, you know, in college, you know, I had friends that, you know, had had a boyfriend that smacked her around a little bit. And I was always like, okay, if that ever happened to me, what would I do? So what what you're really talking about is what are my non-negotiables? Yes. I think it's really wild how women will spend a lot of time talking about what they will do Mm -hmm. and what they will accept and very little time on what you won't do. Yeah. And you won't accept that needs to be concrete concrete because you are going to be faced with a boss, a husband, a boyfriend, some man is going to come into your life 
and ask you to compromise the very set of non-negotiables that you have set for yourself. And you cannot be shocked by this because it's going to happen. It's not, it's a hundred percent certainty. It's just the way this society is set up. It's patriarchal. We can't help it. That's what it is. So when you know that and know that that will be asked of you and you have your non-negotiables, then when you are faced with this horrifying decision or horrifying moment, Mm -hmm. even though it's horrible, you would rather eat glass than be in that position. At least, you know, oh no, I know what I'm going to do. It's not going to be good. I'm not going to like it, but that is a hard no for me. Yep. Yes, exactly. Which is, I think what you're, what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, it is. And, And making those decisions, it was the right decision for me and my kids and to make sure that we were safe and going to move forward. And from there, you know, whether or not my husband was going to be a part of the picture moving forward was going to be up to him and how he handled himself from there on out. So, and you returned to Minnesota, which was a smart move because obviously that is your support system. And that's, what's really hard, right? Like for women who get in this situation, you don't have support. That is like, you know, you have all these kids, like what, you know what I mean? You're trying to still work all the things you went through a really long legal process, healing, you set up these amazing boundaries with your husband. He earned his way back to your family. Now I say this mm-hmm. because this, you and I know this is not the norm. This, this is, is not, not the norm. norm. This is not usually happen, yeah, but yeah. it is something that you were able to stand firm. And he was able to admit to say this, this did happen. I am wrong. Yeah. Whatever I need to do to get back, I'm going to do it. But now yeah. you're on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. What would you say to women about that? That the, the, yeah, my case is the exception, not the rule. And I absolutely know that. So for most women going through this, when you have to make these hard decisions and move forward in your life, you end up doing it by yourself. Yeah. And it's not going to be easy either way. Right. But if you are going to, or you want to, you know, if, if you have hope for something moving forward, you still have to 100% stick to your boundaries, stick to your regulations and everything else. And there is, again, there's no gray area, no gray area to play in. There's never been a gray area to play in for me at all. Yeah. And that's true. And so even now, like this is, this was five years ago now. And so now like there's still therapy, you know, we spent a full year, year and a half going to therapy individually before we even started marriage counseling. And that was part of the, like my requirements, like these are the things for us to continue forward together, individual therapy, and then marriage counseling and everything else. And then, and that's something we still do. Yeah. And still work on. What's interesting about your story to me is that it was sort of a downward spiral. Like this is not a person who, you know, you're dating one time he hit you. You're married one time he had his hand on your throat, which is sort of the story I feel like I hear more often of like, I just kept being like, oh, I just... Oh, he didn't really mean it. He would apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, but it, yeah. there was like a pattern there. This, he literally went yeah. down from nowhere, went yeah. down the tubes, yeah. first turned it on himself and yep. then had this moment where he turned it out. To me, that is more of a one-off situation. Like, I mean, of course he could have been like, F you. I, yeah. I don't want this anyway, blah. Or he could have just continued his downward spiral. Poor me, you know, I'm going to go and, you know, destroy yeah. myself. Because yes. I'm so embarrassed by, you know, what, what has happened to me and all the things, right? Like he could yeah. have really made a dumb choice on top of yeah. the dumb choice, 
right? Mm-hmm. But instead, he really has worked hard, very hard to heal himself, to heal your relationship, to gain your trust again. So I don't feel like this is the normal. Yes. Yeah. Story. You know what that, I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and so for me to experience this, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like he never laid a hand on me before. There was never anything. I was never afraid or anything, right? Like I knew all this stuff before going into this, you know what I mean? And it's not that we never had fights or anything like that. It just never, oh, never, right? Like it never was like that until mentally he was not in a good place. And so if we, if I look at this whole situation and think of it, instead of it being domestic violence, it could have been addiction. It could have been, you know what I mean? So to, for a lot of women, their partner, their spouse can go through a hard time and, and, and it can either take you down with them or you have to make certain decisions, right. To, to move forward and then depending on how they react and respond, whether or not they're going to do it. Right. So again, I've had, you know, I have friends that their spouses have, you know, been through rehab or, you know, they had affairs or other things like that, that they have to move beyond. It's, it's just things that we, as women, you know, we have to, if you have a relationship, you're going to have issues in your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something, right. It's, yeah. it's Something's something. Gonna happen. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of life and people go through things and yeah. really hard, hard moments. And yeah. I'm just really, proud of you, frankly, for holding your position and being willing to say, oh no, I will go absolutely on my own if you cannot abide by all these rules, regulations, boundaries, all the things I am setting here. Like if I will absolutely, and that is hard, right? Like you knew that that was in a weird way, the way harder path, right? Like to say, oh, I'm going to cut you out of my life. I might, you might not see your kids. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. That's brutal. Yeah. So, you know, I really am very proud of you for sticking to your boundaries. But I want to talk about, you know, because one thing you brought up at that at that conference, you told this story, you told you told your goat story. Um, <laughs> but then we started talking about, you know, how you came to be such a, uh, a proponent, an advocate for women's health. And you mentioned this before, but you, you were struggling to find a solution with your ovarian cysts. You were bouncing from doctor to doctor. You were being told you needed to go on birth control to fix it. Mm. You really leaned into Eastern medicine at that time. Now you help women all over the world, you know, naturally manage these things, your hormones, gain back their life and teaching them how to eat for your cycle, which I thought was the wildest concept, but is the most obvious concept if you just take one second and think about it. Tell us about what that is and what that looks like. Yeah. So to reference this, like eating for my hormones and cycle and honoring my body helped me move beyond having horrific ovarian cysts, but also helped me like, you know, five years ago when I went through, you know, we went through all that domestic violence and everything else and having my adrenals crash, all that stuff supported my body the same way there too right? So these are tools and it's a lifestyle and things that you can do to help your body not only get out of a tough spot, but to maintain and keep moving forward with your own health so that your hormones don't crash and burn, essentially. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the thing about this that I love. So yeah, I, at one point, you know, and again, this was, oh, my youngest is now 11. So this was maybe, you know, for a year and a half after she was born, I had horrific cysts. So maybe this was like nine 
nine years ago, nine and a half years. There was at one point I was on the floor from a cyst bursting. I couldn't even get in the car. Like, and my mm. husband was like, you're going to the ER. He was so worried about me. And I was like, I'm fine. Leave <laughs> <laughs> me alone. Leave <laughs> me alone. That's not a normal response, by the way. Like, I, yeah, that's the Go way. to the kitchen and make, make a sandwich for the kids. I'll lay here just for a minute. Yeah, leave yeah. Let me just, let me, let me walk it out here. <sighs> He's like, you can't even get up. So he had to help me in the car. Oh. And I was like, being stubborn about it the whole time. Right. But he drove me to the ER, helped me inside all this stuff. They brought me back and, you know, ultrasounds, blood work, all these things. They're like, yep, you have a cyst. It bursts. There's a ton of fluid in your abdominal cavity, you know, all the pain, the pressure, everything. And then the ER doc comes in and I know other women have had these experiences too, where the doc comes in, you know, they're not listening to you. They don't really pay attention to what's going on. And they just throw something at like throw a med at you and say, see you later. Right. And so he was like, Oh, it's a cyst. Here's your birth control. Here's your Vicodin. Like he wrote me a script for Vicodin, like forever because, Oh, oh you're always going to have cysts and I need this, you know, see you I, later. I can't with this. Yeah. I was like, what? So I was like, listen, like my husband's, he's, you know, had a vasectomy snip, snip, like we're done having kids. So I don't need the birth control for birth control. And I have side effects from it. If I'm, you know, if I'm on it, so I'd really try, you know, is there anything else I can do to not be on birth control, you know? And he's like, well, no, you have cysts. So you need birth control. I was like, well, I was like, no other answer. No, no other, other answer. answer. No. And I was like, well, I'm eating really healthy. I'm taking these supplements. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. Oh, they don't and even want to like, talk about that. Oh yeah. The look on his face was like, are you kidding me with this crap? Like stop wasting my time talking 100%. about, you know, what your, your supplements you're taking. Right. And then he was like, no, you're just going to need this pain medication. Cause you're going to keep getting cysts, especially if you don't take the birth control. And I was like, oh my God. So I left there, you know, without taking birth control or Vicodin, livid, livid, you know, he didn't listen to me, didn't acknowledge my concerns, questions, couldn't tell me why this was happening other than you have a hormone imbalance. And I'm like, yeah, duh. (laughs) So I went home, started furiously diving into research and really started uncovering all of the things about how women um, in different parts of the world work with their bodies and systems. And it really was, oh my gosh, I'm going to start leaning into my Eastern medicine background and realizing our bodies are different throughout the month. We have different hormones, you know, we have estrogen. You even said there's four, we are four Four. different bodies. bodies. Yeah. Hormonal. Every single month. Yeah. Yes. And, and these four bodies, these different hormones, they do different things. Estrogen is going to like build muscle easier. You're going to have more energy, you know, your digestive system works better, all that stuff. Progesterone slows down your digestive system. You get fatigued easier. Your muscle recovery is slower, you know? So it feels different. I mean, think about going for a run or going to the gym to do a workout. One week, you feel amazing. You feel like, yeah, I got this. Woo, I'm getting so fit. And then two weeks later, you can do the same workout but you feel exhausted or you feel like your legs are just cement. And the thing is, is that you did the same workout, but you took a different body to the gym that day. You took a different meat suit (laughs) to do the workout, you know? (laughs) And it's it's our hormones. They're that impactful. And these hormones, estrogen and progesterone, they also pass through the blood brain barrier and they impact everything, our, our thought process, our sleep, everything, right? So without acknowledging this and recognizing I have different bodies throughout the month so I can eat differently for that, nourish that differently, you know, focus on sleep differently, exercise differently to align with what my hormones would need at that time and what's going to be the most productive and beneficial. 
Otherwise we're treating our body like it's a male body, you know, the same all month long, like, and we're not. So no wonder why sometimes we feel better than other times and it can be a week apart. Yeah. You're in a different body. Yeah. So tell me, walk us through that, like just in a brief way. So when you, how does that cycle, I know you drew it out, but like, how does Mm -hmm. that, how does that just briefly, I know it's much (laughs) more in depth and you're going to have to work with Dr. Beth to really understand this stuff. Don't think you're going to have to get it all right now, but just briefly (laughs) walk us through that little graph. Yes. Yeah. And I have a, I have a lot of videos on YouTube about the cycle and everything. So if you want to watch me draw it out and talk about it in the show notes, okay. I'll put in the show notes. I'll put the links. You know, day one is the first day of your period. That's when heavy bleeding starts. Day 14 is about when ovulation happens and hormones shift then again. So during days like one through say five ish, that's when your cycle starts. That's actually when your hormones are the lowest after that, starting in the second week, estrogen really rises and it's pretty high. And then after that ovulation, it flips. Progesterone starts to rise and estrogen drops. And, you know, leading into when you would have your period again, because days, you know, 15 through 28, that's when progesterone is the highest or, you know, more dominant of that time of the month. Leaning into the last week, that week four then of the cycle, your body actually needs more nutrient. It needs more protein. It needs more minerals, you know, more vitamins, stuff like that. So a lot of times we get like cravings or feel like we're hungry or whatever leading up to the time we'd be having our period. And that leads to more PMS and all that stuff. It's because we're nutrient depleted. Our body needs more food. It needs more stuff. Yeah. Um, And you're even talking about like hot versus cold foods and how that can even help you. And even weight loss. Yes. But also just feeling better or knowing, oh, this week is my week where my brain is going to be in a complete fog. So maybe I shouldn't try to make that deal this week. (laughs) Uh Or maybe I should try to lean into like, you know, checking my emails that week versus doing a presentation if I can, if I can avoid it, you know? Yeah. So that's really an interesting way of looking at it and really treating yourself like an individual. Yes. Yes. Aligning your whole lifestyle around where your hormones are. And that's not to say they're good or bad or, oh, my brain isn't as sharp this time. This is this time. That's okay. Right. You, there's other, like you always have stuff to do, right? Like I always will pick, you know, for, cause I live in Minnesota. So winter time, right. Like getting out all the winter stuff and getting all the boots and the snow pants and the hats and the mittens and like this, ugh, such a pain in the butt. I'm not going to do that when my, you know, energy is more naturally depleted. That's going to be exhausting and make me ugh, whatever. I'll just wait a week. Yeah. So my energy picks up again, then adding that extra task, no big deal. Yeah. It's so and then you don't beat yourself to... up too, by the way. Right. Yes. Yeah. Beating yourself up to make you feel like, oh, I really should do more things or I should do it. No, there's certain times where your body needs more rest and recovery time. Honor that because by doing that, when you do have your higher production time, you're literally twice as productive then because your body's not trying to recover from when you were depleting it before. And one of the things I teach is that that eating for your hormones and cycle is really, it's about the nutrient levels as well as the warming and cooling, which matches with your basal body temperature. So cooling foods for estrogen, warming foods for progesterone is kind of the basic breakdown of it. Yeah. Which there's a ton more info to kind of follow in. Yes, no, you have to get in deep with Dr. Beth. I'm already, I'm already in deep with her. So you're going to have to do all the things and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about one more thing because- the thing that really blew my mind, again, 500 mm-hmm. things blew my mind that you talked about at this talk, 
But you talked about at the at Tracy Litz Worthy Human event, you talked about that most of the research for all the medications that we take, when we women take, are only based on research that they've done on men. Yeah. And that it's only recently that they've really even made this change. Tell me about this and tell me about this, the facts of this, but then also tell me why is it important for us, for us to know this so that we can you know, maybe not feel crazy when maybe a solution that we're offered is not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, this is made, something this, that- This pissed some women off, by the way. This, this <laughs> is when you lit, you lit the room on fire on that one. I did. I think that some people go over to the rage corner. Yes. (laughs) Like beating some pillows. People were pissed. Okay, go ahead. Tell us the facts. Just for telling these facts. So this is all stuff you can Google. You can look this up and there's actually, I always reference this book because this there's, there's books out there that do reference this and mention this, but there's a whole book dedicated to this. It's called doing harm. It's, it's a huge book and, and it goes into detail over the years and years and years and many different studies, medical studies, pharmaceutical studies, you know, health studies, all these things that again, everything is done based on the male body. And when we look at this, you might be thinking that seems really weird because half the population is female. Yes. But when we look at like, and this was part of like when I had trouble, like when I had that horrible experience at the ER and I was just livid and went home and furiously started doing research, one of the things that I started researching was, why is it like this? Why is it like this? Because I, I, I was mad that it was like this and I wanted to understand why. And this is what I uncovered, that our health history in the US is based on the male body. That everything, medications, all the health recommendations, everything, it comes from studies and research. Studies and research are done on men. They're done on men, predominantly men, even nowadays. Like women are now allowed to be a part of studies, but there's a small percentage typically that's a female participants in studies. And this is not just human. This is like animal, rat studies, mouse studies, things like that. They mainly use even white male mice and rats in these studies because female participants have ever-changing hormones, which means it takes longer to get information, data from a study. So they're more expensive because it would take longer longer. to track all the things because we are different. We are four Uh different bodies a month. So Uh how that would, that would be really taxing on them and cost more money. Yeah. Oh, oh. So they do it on males. They do it on males. So it wasn't even until 1993 that women were even allowed to be a part of pharmaceutical studies. 93. So that means that before that, whenever they did studies on medications or anything and the effect on the human body, studies were done on men. And they would even take, so think about birth controls, things like that. Medications that were made for the female body. (laughs) They studied them on men that were 140 pounds and they called that equivalent to a female. And they still do it. You know, women are not small men. And that is a phrase coined by a Dr. Stacy Sims. And she also does a lot of research and things in this area. Again, I reference other people and other things because the more people who talk about this, the more information that gets out about this, the more you can realize like this is a thing that needs to be acknowledged and recognized. And why and, is this important for us really? Like tell, oh. tell me why, I mean, of course this enrages, enrages us 
This makes us realize that the, the whole medical profession is not built for women. Yeah. That that's why doctors like you are so important because you are considering all of these things. You are looking for solutions that are not just based on a male body. You are specifically looking at women and their cycles and how it all works. So, but tell me why it's so important to be armed with this horrible information. <laughs> horrible. Horribly accurate information, yes. historically yes. accurate information. It's because women are the ones that that struggle with these health issues. Women are more likely to be diagnosed with, uh, you know, or more likely have autoimmune issues, anxiety issues, you know, all these other things, and go undiagnosed and untreated in health issues because things are missed because we're not listened to and these things aren't acknowledged and how our bodies are different. So my mission is to educate women on these, these physiological differences that we have. So we can understand that my body might be different. And if, for example, I'm taking say an Ambien because I'm having trouble sleeping and I have side effects from Ambien, it might not be because I'm doing it wrong. It might be because I'm being overdosed. Ambien, by the way, was one of the first, and this just happened ooh, a few years ago, maybe four or so years ago, four or five years ago. Ambien was one of the first medications that because there were so many complaints of side effects to the FDA about, you know, women waking up and feeling groggy and, and all this stuff from being on Ambien that they made them go back and gender test. And they found that women need less than half the dose of the medication than men do. This is true. You can look this up. This is women need less than half the dose. And it's not that, oh, women are shorter or smaller. No, they actually gender tested it and tested it on size shape, like height, weight, all that stuff. So equivalent male and female body sizes and weight. And it was literally the gender difference that Ambien, you need less than half the dose for it to be effective for women, which means that when they were taking it as directed, they were actually taking too much, which is why they were having all these side effects. Right. And so how many other, and how many things Oh God. Right. Um, and that, I, so, I mean, Ambien has been on the market for however long, right? So decades right. women were overdosing on it, essentially. I'm yeah. using air quotes, right? Overdose, you know, having an issue with it yet being told, well, I don't know, it's all in your head. Well, I don't know, you know, maybe, are you sure you're taking it right? All these things. And that's that, true with birth control. That's oh. true with, and that's the other thing too. The, I think the yeah. big, big red flag, and you tell me if I'm wrong, the big red flag is when a doctor gives you no other solution. Yeah. There's just one solution. Yep. I'm sorry. That's the only solution there is. That's when my little brain goes, wait a minute. Well, how could there only be one solution? Like, I'm not saying that you're not saying you think that's the best solution, but what are the other solutions? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think they're me. not as effective, but I'd like to know what the other options are. And there's not a lot of doctors who are really interested in having those conversations. Mm, no, no, they don't talk about like, oh, how are your stress levels or anything? Because stress also impacts women than it differently than it does men. The stress impact on the body, the cortisol impact, all of it is different. And it impacts your hormones differently too. So stress in a certain time of the month is going to impact you in a different way than another time of the month. Like yeah. These are all things that women just don't realize. So you feel crazy for living in your body in the way that it's supposed to function. And the number of times that I hear a, a woman say, explain her experience on going into the doctor, just like I had, you know, I'm having this problem. I'm looking for help. Here's what's going on. And then they're like, well, maybe you need an anti-anxiety or an antidepressant. I even had, and I'm going to tell this story because this happened fairly recently. There was a gal, I went over her hormone testing with her, over her results. 
And her husband was on the phone with her and to be supportive, right? Because he was like, listen, I end up going to all of her appointments with her because she was so dismissed every time she would go in and she had horrible PMS, PMDD issues, terrible cycles, heavy bleeding. You know, she was anemic, all this stuff. And, and they kept telling her that it was, she just needed more anti-anxiety meds, antidepressants, and just to lose weight. And she's like, I'm doing all these things and nothing's happening. And I feel like garbage. What the heck? And so since she wasn't being listened to at these appointments and her husband could see that she was struggling, he would go with her to the appointments. So he was on the phone with me and he was the one who shared the story with me while I was going over her, her results with her is that he said the last doctor that they went to, and she was really hoping to get some help with, and he was there in the room and the doctor said, she was like, oh yeah, this is a problem, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I can see that. Well, you know what? I think you need a different antidepressant. Here's what you need for this. She's like, no, I can't take it. I was having suicidal thoughts with this. So it's really making things worse for me. I'm really trying to get to the bottom of this. And she said, no, you need to take these medications. It's in your head because I'm not seeing anything on your exam. So it's in your head. And then she said, I really don't want to do that. I'm nervous about trying this. And so she, the doctor went and grabbed a card from her desk, handed it to the husband and said, well, if your wife's not going to take these medications that I'm giving her for anxiety and depression, here's a card for a divorce lawyer. <gasps> yeah. Oh my You're God. You're going to need this, sir. You're going to need this. If your wife's not going to be compliant with this. What in the actual hell? Yeah. Yeah. Horrific. 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 That's one of the worst stories I've heard in terms of women not being listened to. And that was a female doctor. It's not just male doctor. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a female I doctor. Think it's, I think it's, you know, unfortunately, it's going to take a long time to unring this bell, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the more people who, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on. I want there to be awareness yeah. about it. How can we work with you if we want to work with you? Because I know you have a bunch of programs and I got to get to the speed round because you know that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about how we can work with you. I've started to work with you with Coco because um, Coco has ulcerative colitis and we're going to do some GI mapping and we're going to have a great time, you and me and Coco. But, and I'm going to talk to you about hormones and all the things, but how can people, I'll put all your obviously stuff in the show notes, but how, what kinds of things are you doing? What, how can people work with you? Yeah. So I have a, a few different programs. Um, one of them is a 12 week program. That's a group program where you get a Dutch test that's included in it. And you actually get to learn your full hormone mapping test. It tells everything about how your body is not only what the levels are of hormone, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, all that stuff, but how your body's processing it and where the breakdown is happening. So where are you not you know, detoxing estrogen properly, and we can target that specifically. And then I take you through eating for your hormones and cycle and how to really work with your system again in that group program. I also have one-on-one -on -one levels for people who, you know, are maybe either more complicated case or, you know, like they might have like, I have Hashimoto's and this other autoimmune disease and hormone issues. A group setting sometimes isn't the right fit. Yeah. So we do more individual. Um, right. Yeah, we do an individual. Yeah. Yes. But other than that, I mean, I have a lot of resources even for free, you know, like I mentioned my YouTube channel, tons of videos there, Your podcast, I, my podcast. And then I have a couple of books. One is the female fat solution that takes you through a lot of this information and then the female menopause solution. So for women who don't have a cycle anymore, nutrition that matches that new body that you're living in at that time too. So yeah, and then you're going to get a whole new body for that also. Yes. Okay. Well, let's go on to the speed round. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. Don't go into a panic. You will be able to get to Dr. Beth because let me tell you, I ran up to her after the talk and was like, I'm having you on my podcast. Give me your email right now. I was like, I wouldn't let her out of the room. And there was a line, by the way, I had to wait on the line to get to Dr. Dr. Beth, 
tell me. We're on the speed round. Cocktail of choice, Dr. Beth. <sighs> right now? This is... <laughs> Not right at this second, but what is, in general, if you have a cocktail or you, it can be wine, what do you like to have if you, if you do? I, so I'm into right now, I guess the most, I, wine is what I've been more drinking more. I don't drink a lot, you know, anymore. College was my, was my time. I'm not that fun anymore. You know, what's terrible is I'm terrible at ordering drinks. So I actually, if I'm going out like, and I'm out to dinner with people and they're ordering drinks, I will literally order whatever somebody ordered next to me. Like, that I, sounds good. Yes. Yes, because I am a creature of habit and I know this. Like if I go to a restaurant, I'll order the same thing all the time unless I am forcing myself out of my comfort zone. So I will either order what somebody else has ordered that I've never had or I'll ask the waiter what their favorite is. I love that though. And I'll be like, oh, I'll have that. What do you have at home? Wine? Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, I have wine at home, you know, for Friday nights when I am making dinner and relaxing from the week. I have organic biodynamic wine. I mean, of course you do. Of course you have organic <laughs> biodynamic wine. I don't even know what that is. I'm gonna have to, now we have to talk about that later too. Okay, what is a mantra or quote you live by? How you do anything is how you do everything. Explain that. Oh, yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. It's a way to like think about having integrity across all areas of your life. And this is something that we, again, especially I think women tend to feel like we give to our business or we give to this or that. And then, oh, I'm not being the best mom I could be or whatever. And really, if you're going to put the effort in having, you know, the integrity in your business, it should be the same effort and integrity as being a mom and everything else. So, I mean, and I'm not saying like t- the minutes and time necessarily might not be the same, but who you show up as, who you're being, you know, as a mom, as a wife, as a daughter or sister or friend, Mm-hmm. How you do anything is how you do everything. Oh God, I love that. What makes you feel unstoppable? I don't know. Shaving goats? No. <laughs> I mean, it could be. It really could be. My my honest to goodness favorite thing is is actually speaking. And Tracy's event was the first time I've gotten a chance to speak in in over a year. There's a moment Who would have when known because you were so damn comfortable. I, I couldn't believe it. I love it. Because the thing I love about it is there's a moment where as I'm talking and getting into it, I can see the light bulbs go off. Like I remember your face. Oh yeah. Like like you shocked. Yeah. What? And and the wheels start turning. And then immediately I know you're thinking of different incidents in your life and you're connecting all these dots. You're like, that's why this was like this, and this is why I had such a hard experience here. And this is (gasps) and it connects all these things and it like it just opens up this floodgate where you're never going to look at your body or your health or your hormones the same way again. It's so true. And right after that, I thought I have to have Dr. Beth on my podcast. (laughs) So first you saw the first light bulb, which was like, I'm never going to look at things the same way. I have four different bodies. This is insane. I need to look into this and I got to have her on my podcast. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's all the light bulbs you were saying. Who do you admire? I admire any woman who puts herself out there and for the good of others. Mm-hmm. And so this is like, I randomly will follow like people on Instagram sometimes. And like, they might only have like 500 followers or something, you know, or I might like read stories or li- hear stories or something like that. And it's, it's very inspiring. Like I, one of my most recent books I got was uh, women of the wild west, like pioneer teachers. 
which sounds weird, right? Like, why no, would no, I? No, it sounds amazing. I want to oh, be pioneer that. teachers. Yes, it's all about like the pioneers and like these pioneer teachers and their stories about how sometimes they wouldn't even have a school building, you know, even a one room schoolhouse. They were teaching out of, you know, the back, the back shop of the feed lot or whatever, trying to teach these kids. And instead of having, they didn't even have slates to draw, and they would take the kids to a local cemetery and teach them the letters on the tombstones and stuff like that, like. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. what I, I get inspired by, by amazing women throughout history by stuff like that. So I love that. What are you most proud of? I, I would say like boundaries. I think boundaries is the thing I'm most proud of. Like the boundaries that I have and that I've learned to create allow me to keep going in the mission that I have in life. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you have good boundaries, it's, it's night, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. They don't it's keep a, you in danger. Boundaries are everything. Yeah. They don't keep you in. They let you live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What is exciting you the most right now? I, <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb. I think going over hormone tests. I, I mean, it doesn't sound dumb. It sounds like I it's love the it. passion of your life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love going over test results, hormone tests, all these things, uncovering like the why behind the what for women and being like, oh, well, here's the things that you need to do. And then, you know, seeing them go through that process, you know, yeah, that's, that's what's so exciting for me to see, like seeing them shift and change, seeing somebody, you know, I got an email earlier today from a gal. She's like, I have been sleeping through the night for the past two weeks and I haven't done that in five years, you know? <gasps> Stuff like that. That's, it lights me up to know that. I mean, their bodies are getting healthier. You're functioning better. So you feel better. And then you can do more things and live the life that you want to live without feeling like garbage or fighting with your body anymore. That's what I love. Amen. Well, I mean, you're really, thank you for coming on today, Dr. Beth, but you are really, you are a game changer. You are just changing the game. You are, you are helping women take control and, letting them know we are not crazy, that maybe there is another solution out there that you should, and, and to treat yourself better, treat yeah. yourself and understand your body and how to treat yourself better so that you can feel better. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's amazing what you're doing. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I will gonna go get my goat right now and get shaved. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.